calling all Viper pilots. The galaxy's on the edge of doom again. This is Life Force. Welcome to Nostalgia, a chronological exploration of every NES game released in North America. I'm Mike. I'm Joe. And I'm Sean. And we are playing uh, the first ever, well, quote-unquote, sequel to a essential game. Ooh. Yeah, oh, we, yeah. We, we, we've that's, played that's Akari great. Warriors 2, so we have some, we've dabbled in sequels. <laughs> Uh, has anybody ever seen a, a sequel to a movie or played another game that had a sequel? I, you know what? I actually have. They're, like, they're usually similar. Got it. And yeah. so that would make sense why uh, they usually don't call them just uh, the, the game 2, right? Yeah. They usually give it yeah. like, a totally different say, name. This one uh, never would have known. Like, uh, yeah, like The Dark Knight. Yeah. Yeah. The Dark, the Dark Knight, Knight yeah, Rises. which was not, yeah, was, that's true. That was a sequel to a movie. Yeah, they didn't call it the Dark Knight Two. That's right. They called it the Dark Knight Rises, and I'm talking about Life Force, which is a sequel to Gradius. Yes, that's right. Don't let people tell you otherwise. If they say that it's not true, that's because they're talking about the arcade game, which was also known as Salamander, but for all intents and purposes, is the same game. However, it's only on the NES box where Konami finally decides to say. Oh, yeah, this is the same exact universe because they put here, you've saved the innocent people of Gradius. That's like automatically enough for me. That's evidence. I think it's just, I think it's just like a coincidence. You've saved yeah. the innocent people of Gradius from the vile bacterians, but now an even deadlier plague has sm I thought it said smiled. It says slimed. <laughs> has slimed into the neighborhood. Slimed what hap what happened the there? I don't is know. That the, a, the is that a verb? But get slimed, you know? That was also, yeah. like, a very, like, normal sci-fi thing to say at the top, and then met, like, with fellow kids at the end, you know? <laughs> like, guess who just slimed into the neighborhood? <laughs> it's the Zelos. It, it's all right, because, like, the whole plot to this game, at least in the manual, is word salad. Like, it, <laughs> there's nothing... They use words wrong, they make up <laughs> words, and all they had to do was say, oh, no, he's back. <laughs> but we did get the meaningful uh, line in bold. The birth of Zelos could mean the death of zillions. Okay? <laughs> like, they might as well have just said zillions at that point. Like, but maybe that would have been citizens of Zelos. Uh, it's it's never really clear what Zelos is, other than like a, it's a it's yeah, a little it's like boy, a, like a it's snake, a little boy right? monster. No, it's not a little boy. It's a little boy monster. Okay, it's like an adult space monster is how he it's He grew described. into an adult space monster. <laughs> oh, oh he started out yeah. as a little boy. Yeah. Got it. Okay. It's been a while. Yeah. Zealous is hard to follow. Yeah. Uh, his proud parents, Ma and Pa Deltoid, <laughs> named their only son Zelos. It's like they couldn't decide if they wanted it to be like really cool or really funny. Do you know, what Zelos, either, so. do you know what Zelos means, though, in their language? What? One mean son of a gun. <laughs> oh, yeah. I, didn't see that. <laughs> I gotta One say that like, when gun. they wrote this, like as Zelos yeah. grew into an adult space monster, his appetite turned ravenous. His temper became ruthless, and his name proved an understatement. <laughs> I gotta imagine that the writer just was so happy with yeah, himself. Yeah, I think he was like cracking his knuckles yeah. before he wrote it. Like, Here we go. <laughs> typing away. And you're you're back in the, the Vic Viper, which was in Gradius yeah. as well, and will be in all future Gradius-like games. Uh, there's a weird thing here, though, and I don't know if Sean threw this in because he's sponsored by Lazy Boy, but uh, it says it says here that a pilot can pull 600 Gs at a warp speed. It's bullshit. What? It's all it's all nonsense. <laughs> but then, but then, I mean, like that stuff's all cool. Like if you're a kid, that that stuff helps, right? 600 sure. Gs, warp speed nine. Those Makes are exciting total things. Total sense. Then saying he's it's like he's lounging in a Lazy Boy. TM. <laughs> <laughs> uh, think yeah, I think it's either a TM or an R. Whatever. Uh, yeah. It's ama it's amazing that they included that. Yeah, and I just I I think that actually lounging in a lazy boy isn't cool compared to going 600 yeah, G right. and warp speed nine. It should be yeah, like you're similar. in the cockpit. You can or you can recline the lazy boy, and that's kind of like it's kind of like an adventure. Yeah, it's know? like he's snoozing, yeah, you're flying. 
And and outside of the Vic Viper, then there's the Road British <laughs> Space Destroyer. It's funny how like these don't sound like they were named, but I mean, I guess they're not. But it just sounds like they don't sound like they were named by the same team. I mean, I think the Road British. I, I read that it's a it's a translation error. It's supposed to be the Lord British. Yes, uh-huh. that's true. Uh, but it's just which, weird to think I, yeah. that in the Gradius timeline, which I think is they're in like the year three thousand or maybe even much much later. Yeah. Um. It's weird to think that, like, the British Empire is still, like, referenced in <laughs> yeah. any capacity exactly. thousands yeah, of years yeah. later. I, I, I assumed it was, like, supposed to be the rogue British space destroyer. Like, it was a rogue British space destroyer. Gotcha. Ah. Okay. Well, that's just an assumption. If you somehow have not played Gradius or didn't listen to our episode, which I highly recommend, we were, we were very uh, kind to Gradius, uh, I'll just give a brief overview here. The NES version of this game, Life Force, is treated as a sequel to Gradius in both the uh, things we were just talking about, but also gameplay-wise. It's important to note that the original arcade version of Salamander, as the game was known, did not play like Gradius. It was only once the name got changed to Life Force that it played a lot similar to Gradius. So what does that mean? Well, it usually means that it's a horizontal-style shmup, but... Uh, Life Force adds vertical layouts as well. So it alternates between horizontal stages and vertical stages, A, B, A, B. You have to successfully survive traversing through uh, the six different stages, and at the end of each stage, there's a mandatory boss that must be defeated in order to move forward. Unlike in Gradius, there are cutscenes between the levels rather than continuing to just progress on after you defeat the boss, the screen would just start scrolling again. That's not true here. In this one, you do get... A moment to breathe, and the power-up section from Gradius returns with even more choices this time. And the power-ups, uh, the way that system worked in Gradius that we were big fans of was every time you collect a power-up, you uh, store a level, and then you decide to cash in. So a level 1 power-up is for a speed boost, and a level 6 is for a like force field, essentially. So if you wait to collect 6 power-ups... You can cash in and get the force field, or you can just continue continuously increase your speed. Yeah, and, so and, that, they, and they stack like what, whether it's within that single power up or uh, in total. Like you can be super fast, have the shield, have the lasers, um, or you could just keep going faster and faster. So yeah, yeah. and was that power up system uh, also? present in the arcade version then it was not so that's the major thing that's a whole different game the major thing that made it different was that when you went uh when you collected power-ups in salamander you immediately received the next upgrade of your ship so the layout would continue to change as you got the power-up so you've you've Mm. grabbed the first one and it's an option and then you grab the second one and now you have missiles so on and so forth was it was a little weirder but i think it's nice that the NES version streamlines it for people who are interested in, you know, games Good after Gradius. Yeah. So what did we like so much about Gradius? I think a big part of it was that power-up system, at least for me, uh, just the ability to kind of choose your power-ups and, and, and almost have this, like, real-time, like, RPG decision-making going on. Like, I think, that, and that's, to be honest, like, when I was playing this game, I kind of forgot a lot about how much I liked that about Gradius. I had to go back and... And you know, watch a little bit of Gradius to be like, wow, that that is what that was like. Uh, you know, yeah. Um, I think that the the creative use of the power up system was my main uh, selling point for Gradius, and also just the like the performance and what how it looked uh, in comparison to everything else that we were playing around that time. Uh, it just seemed a step above. Um, so. All that together just seemed like the perfect NES game at the time. Yeah, I remember we even commented about the Vic Viper and the way that it, as you moved from yeah. like up and down the screen, you actually saw like different uh, angles of your ship, and that's here too. So that was nice. But yeah, it's definitely about the the control of, of the ship itself and how smooth everything plays out. The graphics are a huge are a huge plus as well. But I really liked Gradius for the traversal style of like thoughtful level design that you're actually going through either a cave or a uh like a space war zone that it's not just waves of enemies there's also this a uh, design to the map that you're yeah. on that requires you to think about where you want to be on the stage and uh there's obstacles in the way other than just outright enemies mm-hmm. so that's what i really liked about gradius 
Now looking ahead to Life Force, the game of the week uh, that we that we played. We're playing Life Force. Yeah, Life Force. Oh, I know okay. we've been saying Salamander, we've been saying Gradius. <laughs> it's all over the place. It, it, it just like the manual. This has been word salad a little bit. So <laughs> let's just focus in. Uh, for the remainder of, the, of our time, focusing on life force. And I, I'd really like to just start talking about the uh, refined controls here and the improved graphics because it it, it seems kind of silly to be talking about graphics on the NES <laughs> when we have what we have today. But I do think that when you compare Gradius and this, a game that we already thought was pretty good looking, this is a step up and it also feels a little faster. I wouldn't say the they changed the way that the Vic Viper controls in a meaningful way. It just feels faster, the game overall. I'll jump in to talk about the graphics real quick, too, because that's something that that stood out to me right away. And it's not even necessarily graphics as much as it is just, I guess, like art style and, mm-hmm. and design. But similar to what you said about uh, about Gradius, Mike, is that, or, or Sean, I can't remember who said it, but that it it stands out, even now, even this much further into it, it stands out a little bit as, like, having these environmental things that make you feel like you're in you're in this specific space that it wants you to feel like not that we haven't had other other games like that but like too many times we see a game that it's just like you're just flying enemies are coming at you and there's just yeah, basic just like a, a scrolling repeating like archipelago below you or it's just a star field like right. no, I, I appreciate right. that this is that these are each like actual places right even and just yeah, even just out of shmups just to take it into like a very popular game the legend of zelda each of those dungeons doesn't you know there wasn't yet the concept of a water dungeon mm-hmm. and a forest yeah, there dungeon was the blue dungeon and the green dungeon right and, and yeah. they but they the layout wise they were all still the same so what helped that obviously was that the puzzles were unique and different but you know that is something to to keep in mind that this really uh the idea of taking place inside of a living planet that you're trying to get to the center of and defeat, uh, what was his name? Zelos. That the fact that you're, tr- yeah, <laughs> <laughs> the fact that you're trying to actually like put a narrative of like entering this living planet and then going inside of its sphincter. Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah, well, sure. <laughs> Whatever it is, but you know, th- there's a, there's a cool conceit there. And then when you get to like the volcanoes and, the the fire is spitting Solar out, flares, which, yeah. which are horrible, but they're awesome. Like yeah, <laughs> it, it adds that level scary. to what you were talking about before, where the environment is like a part of the game. They're the obstacles you're you're interacting with the environment. It feels it feels like you're in a living thing. And knowing that these are ports of an arcade game too, just to talk again about how good they look, they look different enough from the way they look in the arcade that you know it's an NES game, and that it's not trying to just figure out like okay what's the 8-bit equivalent of what the arcade game looks like but it it almost takes on its own design spin and i think that really helps it rather than uh you know double dragon uh in in recent memory like not that that game looked bad but it it didn't look like its arcade counterpart but it was just trying to mimic everything that you saw whereas this would make some sacrifices i also think that this like the nes versions of these games do have a unique look to them compared to other games in general not just other shmups and and maybe that's just because i enjoyed these more um but to me they they look much different than a lot of the the shovelware we played i can't put my finger on it really because we've played we've played other games that look i'd say you know as good yeah but but something about this and gradius when when i played both of them the first thing i thought was like wow this almost looks a little like super nintendo yeah i don't know what it is if it's like the brightness of the colors contrasted against like the black backgrounds or something but something about it's like wow this looks like it's like an up up a a level a little bit well one specific example that i that really impressed me was the um what was the reveal of the first boss um where you're you're in the middle of again it looks like intestines to me <laughs> and then all of the different sprites for the walls around you just sort of fade away and uh it it morphs into or just reveals this big brain yeah and, 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 it, and it fades away in such like a slow yeah in a way really organic almost, yeah, way that you're almost like is it fading away for a second you, you're like questioning yeah. is that fading away and then it just like you don't even see it happening just slowly there just is a brain there yeah it was really impressive yeah. almost all of the bosses are really good looking yeah. too from like a pixel perspective because they're the only uh other layer they basically even remove the hud yeah. during the boss fights to make sure that they can design the bosses <laughs> as, as nice as they want to but also they're very creative bosses from just a um 
you know, from like a way that they designed to attack yeah, you. Yeah, there are different strategies. And they're not you. outright, in, they're, they're, none of them are outright impossible. No. Uh, they yeah. all have a very clear pattern that you have to follow. And they kind of remind me of Stinger's um, yeah. uh, bosses that were also very creative. Like there was that giant watermelon I and stuff like saxophone. that. the saxophone. Yeah. And, and <laughs> <laughs> the saxophone that, I thought that was something else I remember. Yeah, but it was a saxophone. But yeah, it was a saxophone. <laughs> uh, but, you know, like that stuff is really cool. And I'm glad that that's back here. And what do I care if like one of them is an Egyptian uh, like sarcophagus, you know, <laughs> yeah. like. Fine. It like, was Tutankhamen attack. <laughs> That's his You're name. Right. Tutankhamen attack. All one word. There's, you know, I, I think that the boss fights in this one were even more enjoyable than some of the, uh, like, actual levels you had to yeah. go through because they're very approachable. They feel good to um, to defeat, and, they're, and there is, like, a... A solving process to the whole thing. Yeah, where at first yeah. you're like, you know, and maybe it's not as hard. Like the brain is the first boss, and obviously he's very easy. It's yeah, just like shoot, the, shoot eye. the eye. But eventually you get to um, the intruder. The which one's the intruder? Four armed spinning guy. Yes. Yeah. 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 Uh, I, and I like that one because that reminded me the most of Gradius's like shoot the core. Is this is the like, one that has three different cores, or is this... Yeah, he has, well, no, the three different cores one, I know what you're thinking of. That's kind of like a sub-boss. Yeah, that was... Uh, um, <clears throat> I'm looking at the pictures right now. That's the one that has the... Uh, it's the ship from... Yeah. That was at the end of every Gradius level. Yeah, that's true. That's and you true. had to shoot the core, and that's where that phrase comes that's very <laughs> like iconic to Gradius players. That he, The intruder was the only one... Um, that uh, that had to do that where you would chew out the layers and then yeah uh, I then like that out. shooting of layers it's very fun <laughs> yeah and it was it was again like the 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 fact that he just shoots the like arms around like yeah. just swings his arms around in a circular motion it becomes very clear that you have to kind of like go yeah. Uh, yeah. clockwise with him right you're you have to get on the inside or else he's too fast if you're too far on the outside he's too fast for you it's it's interesting right and all of these bosses are very well complemented by your power up systems too. I think uh, regardless of whether you have a fully uh, a fully loaded ship, like let's say with you know the double lasers and three uh, two options and a force field, like all that stuff feels great when you're a fully decked out ship. But even just having an additional option brings in this whole new level of strategy yeah. for whether you want to like double up and stay exactly in the same spot and just shoot uh you know like twice the amount of fire at once or if you want to cover more ground and be like well this boss keep like i'm thinking of tooting common attack the, <laughs> the, the egyptian head where uh he kind of just keeps going up and down on the ver- on the horizontal stage so, so you can just leave your option there so right you're out of harm's way yeah exactly yeah. and just keep shooting so yeah uh, it, it, it lends itself to a lot of creative thinking yeah, even uh, another one just to call out that I liked was uh, Giga, the, like, skull head thing. Yeah. Because that is a boss battle that for some reason is very easy if you're fully decked out. Yeah. It, it could take, like, maybe three to four hits before it dies <laughs> for some reason. But if you're not fully decked out, as time goes on, it then, like, seeks its eyeballs out at you. Like, yeah. oh. it's like, it's like, forget all the stuff that's coming out of my mouth. Like now it's eyeballs start. See, like I, I thought I just, maybe it's just because it took me longer to defeat him than you. I thought I couldn't, I thought maybe I wasn't able to kill him until his eyeballs came out because he didn't die for me until after his eyeballs came out and I started shooting at his eyeballs. I've definitely had it only, I've had situations where only one eyeball came out and it was like not even all the way out. So I think it yeah, is okay, just so a certain amount of hits. Time, I don't yeah, think it yeah. has to do with the, like waiting until the eyeballs come gotcha. out.
If you don't mind, though, I am going to bring down hype levels for a minute and just talk about some of the rather frustrating level design choices that are made. And this happens at least once on every stage. But I've made a list of complaints <laughs> for certain levels. Let's hear it. And, and what's funny is, is that as I was writing this, I didn't remove any, but... As I continued to play this game more, I was kind of like, well, now that you know that, like, you know, like now that that's good right. level design, yeah. but it's like, well, now that you know that, if you do just like anticipate being in the front of or back of the screen for particular hazards ahead of time, you won't have to deal yeah. with the, the problems. But I never think a game should be reduced no, to yeah. memory. Yeah. We, we have been we have been very hard on games that do that. Yeah. But it right. does sort of come with the territory with a lot of NES games. Yeah. So it's like, I think sometimes you might have to just get around it, but... So in, in the very first stage, you're in uh, what I would consider, like, the body of the planet, yeah. and it's it's growing. It, it grows these, like, barriers of its intestines or whatever. I like you. to... I, I mean, I know you, you think it's just me being funny, but th- these are sphincters. Okay, there you go. So they are... <laughs> these sphincters are growing <laughs> <laughs> barriers at, at that, like... In a, at a rate that almost might at first, and I don't know if you guys had this experience, I did. I thought like, oh, something's wrong with the cartridge. Like I, it's <laughs> not like, in it's all like the way. Looking. It's like it, it didn't see those pixels until I got close to them <laughs> because it doesn't really like look like it's growing and they just kind of populate yeah. onto the screen. Yeah. And then there was one all of a sudden that just completely took on, over yeah. the, and closed off the entire screen. And that's when I knew like, oh, this isn't a glitch. I'm just doing something wrong so then i tried shooting at it next time it doesn't work either. and it doesn't work either and that's when i realized oh you just have to know about it and be in yeah. front of it before it closes yeah. there were a few that i remember thinking like it starts happening and you're like oh, oh gotta get through and you have time but there are some that it's like if you weren't ready for it like yeah it's pretty tough to get past so i, I think I, i'd like to see if i can predict your next one mm-hmm. which is that the uh the solar flares the solar flares are the next one so I would say that there's a difference between these two because with the first with the sphincters, I think it's it's more logical for the player to believe that these are things that are going to contract and expand um, as you go, and you will never actually be blocked off entirely. Like I thought that, like oh, it's closed for now, but it's going to open in a second, and it never did. Whereas, so it's not really telegraphing anything. Mm-hmm. That's Where, true. Whereas with the solar flares in level whatever i think it's the third one okay in level three it does give you a split second of showing where it's going to come out from and i think that if you can read that quick enough and you've picked up enough speed power-ups to be able to react in time you can get out of the way of these solar flares and absolutely true and i would say that this is one that was on my list and i thought maybe i should take it off because i it is something that you can overcome and i definitely did wind up doing eventually a perfect run through them The, the the thing there that, that bothers me is the split second thing that you were referring to. I wish for like a little longer of a yeah. bubble up because some because there's already a lot going on on that screen. And it's not, you know, if you're not paying attention to everything, like imagine you have to watch like 40 different things going on. And then all of a sudden the little bottom hand, there's like a small little jiggle and then boom. <laughs> the, that's my second problem. The wave of these solar flares is gigantic. It covers so much real estate of the screen and it's a double-edged sword because it is beautiful sprite work, you know? Like, it it's looks really... awesome. Right. It's really cool. So I don't know what I would have preferred them to do here. I just think taking up so much of the real estate and playing in a way where you have to pretty much be in the middle of each one is a cool solve, but maybe it shouldn't have been the entire level. I think it's very annoying that there's, like, over 20 of these throughout the level. <laughs> Aren't and that, there? Did you count? Yeah, I mean, like it goes on for a very long time, so I'm going to say it felt like over 20. Okay. Uh, the, the reason, I could have done five. <laughs> the reason I'm a little more forgiving at it, too, because I do think that the telegraph for me was like almost not noticeable, like, but but I, the reason I'm a little more forgiving is because this one, at least, you, you, you might die once, and then you're like, okay, I have to play this level really cautiously. And you can play it that way. You can stay at the back, and you can even wait until the soil flare appears and not get hit and kind of stay behind it. Yeah. Whereas with the um, the first one we talked about with the growing whatever, um, <laughs> they, I don't want to say it. No, I know. <laughs> they, the, you mean the sphincters? Exactly. They do if, – if you were to try and, like, be cautious and stay ahead of it, like, you might be too late. Like, you have to, like, be aggressive and kind of know where they are. Whereas this is like, even if you don't know where the solar flares are coming, 
it yeah, just that, makes you think about the level differently. Like, that, I got to be its, careful. That, that does its own. Uh, that that has its own faults as well because you're also being harassed by. Uh, I th- I think they're invincible. Uh, Which what is that? Um, nothing. Nothing in this stage, I believe, is invincible. Oh, okay. Well, you're still being harassed by fighters that are coming at you that are not affected. And then by there's the also fire. those random firebirds because, like, there, so there's oh, yeah, five yeah. firebirds in a row, and that will give you a power up, and that's normal. There, the there's specific orange-colored enemies and yeah. everywhere. But then there's another one that I think Sean was just mentioning that if you shoot it, it just does like a kamikaze attack <laughs> at you, and it's like, whoa. You look like the same as the other ones. Why are you going to start coming at me? <laughs> Why are you coming at me? <laughs> I don't like when the birds come at me, especially when they're orange, which in this game so far has only ever meant power up. Yeah. You know? Hmm. This stage also has, I think, the only um, uh, ability to get a power up that's blue instead of orange that destroys everything on screen. Uh-huh. And maybe that was just because they were like, after the fact, they were like, wow, we really put a lot of enemies in here. We should get rid of them. Like, like there should be a way for the, uh, you know, just in case they're all still on the screen, we should have a way to just clear them all out at once. Can you guess my next one? I can't right now. Is it, is it in the pillar stage? I or have. The uh, temple stage? Um, It's before the temple stage. It's the parasitic um, brown roots. They look like the tree uh, roots yes. that yeah. grow out of the, uh, like, circular, orbs. Yeah, yeah, the the orb bodies. Okay. Uh, and the reason the reason here they expand way too fast. It doesn't. It doesn't. Um, it only basically rewards the player for just staying at the very bottom of the screen. Well, yeah. I mean, that's that's the that's what you're supposed to do in this part. Uh, yeah, this one didn't yeah. bother me actually because I, I don't know. Like I, I, was, I, found, I was always able to destroy. Those. Yeah, I was always powerful enough in this stage that I was able to destroy it before I could even get in range. Got so. it. So you're wrong, Mike. <laughs> okay, that makes sense. I'm I I can be wrong. I'm cool with that. But I had a problem with it. It's okay. And uh, oh, and then this one was just kind of like prevailing throughout some of the stages. But there was like sometimes these walls that were destructible, and I'm not talking about in the temple because the temple one was the exception to this rule. But there were some walls that were destructible, and then they would regenerate. But they regenerated. Uh, like in a very weird timing manner. So if you were hanging back and shooting at the wall, a- as you got closer to the wall, it might regenerate and close in on you. Yeah, and yeah I know it, what you mean. And yeah. it was like you kind of had to like know about that and be very close to the wall at all times. This way you could constantly be shooting exactly what's ahead of you. So this way it wasn't on the timer. Yeah, I could deal with that, that as well. Yeah. Uh, and You're then, correct. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. So I'm wrong and I'm right. And I think this last one is just this one's not necessarily bad it's pretty cool uh spoiler for the end of the game here after mm. you defeat the final boss you have to like escape the planet before it explodes and they oh. make these uh like little gates that you essentially have to like uh get through and they, they you know they're pretty much just making you zigzag and they're very like frame perfect it's so fast that's what i was thinking of when i said the the temple level i okay, forgot that gotcha. this is at the end of not in the temple. it's at the very yeah. end of the game here's my problem with that though by the end of the game you're either on like one to two lives left or you have like 10 you yeah. know it depends on what kind of player you were if you were going for scoring because it's very easy to get extra lives in this game uh so i think it's it's just like, what are you doing here at the end by killing off, uh, like in in a perilous way here? Because if you only have one to two lives left, it sucks to die right there. Yeah, yeah. You, you've kind of already beaten what like what you would think is the game. Yeah, <laughs> right. and then there's this thing that's, but it's cool to have an extra challenge. But like you said, it is frame perfect. Like, but also, not if you literally, if but you ha- it feels like it, it feels like it also because it's so narrow. I would have actually been fine with the idea of maybe it closing in. Too, and you have like there is a there's another cave earlier on that you kind of uh, imagine if you picked up speed or wind or something like you went through a wind tunnel or something and it <laughs> Space makes the, wind it makes the whole thing go faster though you know yeah. like, I, I, what would you call that like what no was I know that, that it, it definitely does it definitely does speed up the scrolling yeah and so that would have been something cool like having to navigate tense. through asteroids or something like that but to have like these this is your there's only this very small uh, width that's available to you. 
And then immediately after that, it's like one frame over, one frame over. It's like, no, don't do that. Like, yeah, no, it's a. This is a very annoying part, and this would be at the top of my list of things that were peeving me. But the problem is double, uh, you know, is double sided here because if, forget the one to two having the game over thing. If you have ten plus lives, it's very anticlimactic as well because you might just Plop die, yeah. and then you're. You know, the one thing that hasn't been mentioned at all yet that's worth explaining is that when you die in this, in this one, that, right? Yeah. You uh, in rather there's no checkpoint in Gradius. It would start you back at a certain checkpoint depending on where you were in the stage. In uh, Life Force here, you just immediately come back onto the screen, which I think is great. Yeah. Except for here at this very ending, because you wind up just coming back, crashing again, coming back, crashing again, and then the next thing you know, it practically played out like a cutscene. <laughs> as long as you have more, I think I timed it, as long as you have more than four lives, you don't have to move. You'll you'll die and, and pop up enough times that you'll be able to just then take off. Interesting. Into the, into the ending cutscene. Yeah, I guess then um, it's not that big of a deal because it doesn't matter. <laughs> right, but it feels kind of like yeah, something that was supposed to be epic, ass. isn't yeah. So there's really no solution here other than get rid of that, in my opinion. <laughs> and not to mention that the last boss sucks. Yeah. Like, it's the all the other boss. bosses are great. And then the the box art made this you know snake-like creature look so cool, right? He has these huge fangs. The salamander? And, what? The salamander? Yeah, the salamander. Yeah. And, and it's so cool. And then you see it on the screen. You're like, I think I saw like a bunch of those in the volcano level. <laughs> right? Like, Yeah. sort of touched upon uh which is that difficulty and this this was the kind of it's it's a riff off of the way they play with difficulty in gradius where you know you you can become all powerful pretty much but as soon as you get hit once like you're back to square one regardless of whether you're on level one two three or if you're fighting a boss in this one um i know that we've talked about being punished for doing well and or being punished for doing badly like how did you find the difficulty in this game in general well i think um i'm gonna start off with the first part addressing that with the when you die and you come back with nothing that was handled a lot better here and i think that was because power-ups were more frequent other than just the beginning of the stage i think that was very important to at least give, they definitely give less opportunities as the stage goes on. And if you come back at the boss, you're out of luck. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But the ability to, you won't get a full ship again by the end of the level if you're in the middle of the level. But the ability to go in, die, and come back with a chance to maybe even have like another option yeah, would be, you know, is nice and appreciated. So I actually um, found the difficulty in this game overall to be significantly easier than Gradius. Oh, yeah. I, I found it easier than Gradius too, but I also found that I still felt like the power-ups were really weighted towards the first half of the level and not the second half of oh, the yeah, level. Oh, yeah, they are. Where I feel like it should be the other way around. You're more likely to lose, you know, the first half of the level you collect, but then by the second half of the level, that's when it gets harder and you're going to lose those power-ups. And I feel yeah. like if you don't have any that's chance to get them, definitely not little... the design decision that they were... That, I think it's very intentional that they're sort of loading you up on supplies to begin. Yeah, but then one hit... Yeah, and it doesn't matter. And I feel, I feel like that just felt weird to me that it wasn't, mm-hmm. you know. Well, there's always, um, you know, there's destructible areas too throughout the stage that don't necessarily like imply that they have power ups. But if you shoot at them, 
they might give power-ups to you as well. So I, I would say that it's definitely more generous than Gradius because I think Gradius was only ever in the beginning yeah, of the stage the as far yeah. as I can remember. Yeah, I remember. But, um, but you know, that, that, that ties into another thing here is that while Gradius uh, isn't impossible by any means, it was something we thought like needed the Konami code. You know, the up, up, <laughs> down, down, left, right, left, right, BA. In this one, I feel like if you have the Konami code, you're pretty much guaranteed a victory, <laughs> yeah. provided you've at least seen the stages before. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, it's very hard to consider losing 30 lives in Life Force. In Gradius, that could have just been any given day because <laughs> you will go back to yeah. the destined checkpoint. So well, That's why I, I thought that this game, Life Force, was a much bigger power trip than Gradius. And I, and I think Life Force is not... Uh, it shouldn't be punished for being easier because I think in in the world of NES games... Sometimes being easier on this kind of scale makes it a more accessible game. Yeah. Whereas even though Gradius is on our essential games list, some people might play that and think like, well, I just suck at shmups. Yeah. It's like, no, it just takes a lot of time and stuff like that. Maybe you should try Life Force first I to was get better. Say, it's actually an argument shmups. to try the sequel first because it feels like the natural progression is the other way around. <laughs> the difficulty. like, like you're, It's like the next level of difficulty is Gradius. Okay. If you're going for that route, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's not, not that it has to be that it, way. I mean, obviously, the events of Life Force take place after and really, Gradius. you really want to probably get invested in the plot. Yeah. Now, Sean, to keep us grounded in this sci-fi world, you're you're currently going through a Mass Effect playthrough, and I, you've you've I'm, played one yeah. and two, and you're on three now. Uh-huh. Having played them in the order of one, two, three, uh, you can... so you should be <laughs> playing two, one, three, right? <laughs> in order of uh, d- descending. How good they are. How good they are. (laughs) Which is not usually a measurement of thing to play. But what I meant was, in 3, by that point, and this can apply to any version of a game franchise, you look back at 1 and you say, well, I could only play 1 first. I could never go to 3. And forget that Mass Effect is storyline based but <laughs> you know like a lot even uncharted for joe here right yeah, like yeah. If people who play uncharted 4 first might not love going back to uncharted right. 1 but uh, you know? okay so that's they might not love it you're saying because if it's aged but also that those are also both pretty story driven games whereas like I, I know arguably r- removing is pretty story driven yeah but, removing itself from story though yeah uh in both of the examples that, in all of the examples that we've said so far, uh, the gameplay itself, the moment-to-moment gameplay, has gotten better over time. At least in my opinion. It's, yeah, as far as maybe a lot of the difficulty in Gradius has is also maybe some of it comes from it not being as well of a designed game. Well, that's what I was yeah. going to get at. Is that after having played Life Force for a while, I did go back to Gradius to remember, you know, a lot about the game and to talk about and compare it to Life Force here on the show. And I was kind of surprised that a game that came out only two years ago, uh, comparatively, this we're in 1988 now, it came out in 86, at the end of 86, I was surprised to see myself feeling like, oh, well, I don't think I could go back. I'm glad I played Gradius first. You know, like, <laughs> it's weird to think about that in the scope of NES games, but that's how I felt. I don't know. How do you, did you guys go back to Gradius? To, to be honest, when I first played this, I kind of, I was like, wow, this is like Gradius a lot. I didn't go back to play Gradius, but I went back and watched it, and I was like, Wow, this actually does look a lot better than Gradius. I, you know, I, because it's just my my memory of Gradius is a little distorted well, by, by my. That all being I said, it. I think that there is one thing that Gradius sort of has a leg up, um, in terms of life force. I noticed a lot more slowdown. Absolutely, and I think that that I mean it's obviously a trade off considering that there seem to be a lot more effects going on, um, in life force. But it's definitely a negative. <laughs> also, yeah, not only is it a negative for that reason, uh, the game is already, by the three of us, considered easy in the realm of shmups. That makes it easier. And then slowdown, especially because slowdown occurs more, much more frequently when you are a fully powered yeah. up unit, yeah. that it almost helps you, like, you know, in your lazy boy chair, in your Vic Viper, <laughs> you're able to, like, see through space and time <laughs> yeah. and make yeah, frame-perfect decisions. I justify it by to myself by, like, Oh no, that's how powered up I am. I can now see things happening in slow motion. Now yeah. I'm super reactive. Um, but yeah, the slowdown was even on on one player was pretty bad, and I, I didn't go, go too, we didn't go too far into two player. But Luckily, I can only yeah. imagine it gets pretty bad with two with it, two players powered up on the screen. 
Thankfully, in two-player, you can only have one option each, but that's still oh, one more that. option than yeah. ex- or, or one more source of DACA <laughs> than the previous like single-player. Joe, you just mentioned the two-player there, and in in this one, you get to the chance to play simultaneously uh, two players at the same time. That that's kind of cool for a shmup, but we did just see that right uh, with Legendary Wings. We did, yeah, right, and that was a Capcom. You know, I'm not saying like, the, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I know you're both confused. A, we're both like looking at. You, I'm like. just saying it's not a novelty to us. Like this wasn't the yeah, first shmup right. where it was like, wow, two people, do, right. you know, helping each other out, doing the thing. It's nice to see that maybe they're kind of figuring this out though. Like people would probably rather play I'm, together. I mean, it's it's harder together. Again. Yeah, but but I mean, maybe it's just me, but I love like a like a co-op. I see. Game. I don't like. I don't like other people. Well, I, I gathered that, but <laughs> the, the but in reason... general, I love a co-op game with people that aren't Sean. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> this doesn't work here because, uh, and we touched upon this while we were playing. The Vic Viper and the Road British, or Lord British as it's officially known, they look that they're the same exact ship design too. And I, I don't know, could they have fit the sprite work to design a different looking ship? Maybe, but to just say, oh well, it's like a bluish orange now yeah. instead of blue, like not even to go full orange on it to be like, you know, yeah, the, the color of Drive. <laughs> the 2011 film, uh, you know, just to be like that orange and blue. The best picture nominee. Uh, to uh, nine years running. Nine years running. Yeah. Um, <laughs> honestly, I I think that the design of the ship isn't so much like. Yeah, you're right. It's it's the design of the ship coupled with the color palette swap. It needs to be a bit more c- contrasty, and also there needs to uh, when they're when they're on top of each other. That that's even worse because if if you go in one direction, you you pretty much have, uh, like did a card trick on yourself. Like, <laughs> which one was I looking at before we crossed paths? And I, it's just so difficult to distinguish. Uh, and then also, Sean, you mentioned that you can each have one option, but I think it's also important to talk about just the power up system in general changing because when you fight against uh you know when you take down five of those orange guys to generate a power up you still just get one you don't get two so you do have to work together a little bit to decide who gets the power yeah you can't be selfish like mike and try and take all the power ups but uh that's just gonna have to be how good at cooperative games you are i am just uh you know to anybody who's listened to me and sean play the games you can tell i'm just very selfish in general you're the reason sean doesn't like other people right (laughs) at least in his video games yeah Uh, yeah i love npcs yeah yeah. (laughs) npcs are my best friends yeah um yeah and i don't know if there's anything else to really add to the two-player mode other than that like there's no there's no collision between the ships thankfully like not that anybody should be confused by that i don't I don't think that hopefully that would never be added. I think it should. Into, <laughs> into one of these games, but that would be crazy just to yeah. consider all the other things that are on screen too. Do you guys ever feel like there was too much on screen? In I've, two player, yes. I've, I've, well, maybe in two player, but in one player I felt like I never thought there was too much on screen except I was like, well, I guess the game thinks there's too much. Like I thought there was too much on screen because I was <laughs> noticing the slowdown. I guess... I guess the game knows yeah. best. <laughs> I was like, I was like, well, there's not like I like you know what I mean. I only thought there was too much on the screen because it was slowing the game down. I was <laughs> okay. like, all right, let's get a little less on here. 
I but see. otherwise, I don't think I would have been like overwhelmed. Yeah, there was occasionally times where I was a little bothered by uh, like all the enemies in this game are great. By the way, I think that's worth mentioning. Like any anything that actually like comes at you and attacks you, come it, at me is great. No, no, I mean like we got the return of the uh, Moai heads, yeah. and we love them. And we got the uh, what the, we got the Gradius um, core bosses from the first game. Three of them uh, as like a sub boss in one of them, and it even plays the Gradius one music. I thought that was like a nice touch. Do you guys remember that moment? I remember that moment. Okay, so, cool. So yeah. well, <laughs> right? Uh, so you know things like that. Like all of the all of the actual enemies in this game are really cool, except for those things that aren't even necessarily enemies. They're just part of the world that just vomit every now and again, like either flames. Or um, they, uh, the rocks that come out. Or, yeah, the, oh, I could do without the rocks. Games. Or even the – and there's, like, different types of rocks, too. There's those ones that – There's perma- unbreakable rocks. Right. There's the ones that, like, per- like fall from the ground and will automatically kill you even if you have a force field. Yeah. Then there's the ones that just, like, shoot out of these what I imagine they think are, like – uh, geezers or something like geysers geysers sure <laughs> old, geysers old are old people, people. Oh geysers God, are <laughs> you know it's every day with me so it's nothing new here uh and before we move on to everything else that usually comes with a nostalgia episode i wanted to talk about the final boss because i noticed that after you defeat um the salamander the the thing that you actually have to do is shoot the core. Pretty cool. Mm-hmm. At the actual boss, Zelos, who has done absolutely nothing, <laughs> will do absolutely nothing, is totally not the threat he's made out to be in the manual. He's definitely not a, a bad dude. But you can choose to not destroy him. I didn't know that. Huh. The, the and, and I actually did this on my second complete playthrough. I said, well, it didn't feel like I had to shoot him. The screen keeps scrolling. So the, the screen keeps going. And rather than get to the point with the different gates and everything to, like, be frame perfect, the thing we hate, instead, as soon as that passes, you restart the level. Oh. And it's like, no, you better go kill him. <sighs> like so weird. It doesn't say, yeah. it doesn't communicate why or anything. It just restarts you at the start of the level again, and it's like, okay. It's weird yeah. that they would even program it, program it that way because I don't think that there's... It shouldn't scroll. Any player at all that would decide not to shoot them, unless you read about it on right. a wiki. And right. if they had it, there, well, I actually like became that. Per- <laughs> I became that person though. I did not read about it on a wiki. I just, you just thought, didn't shoot it. I just thought that it was weird that the screen implied scrolling, and I did hear something about alternate endings. So I thought, uh, oh, maybe there is an alternate yeah. ending if you Do don't they count that as an alternate ending. No, it's not. Um, I'll explain the alternate endings in our sequels yes, and spinoff section, but. Uh, I just thought that was like a neat thing that you you could just avoid yeah. killing the end, the final boss and instead of being like rewarded for that it will tell you no play the level again and <laughs> not, it's not like everything's empty now you yeah. have to go do everything again including defeating the salamander okay it, it would have been cool if they had like a little alternate little mini cutscene be- for doing that where you've now joined Zelos or like right right. You know. Or that you just look behind your, you look over your shoulder and like, oh man, yeah, oh totally forgot about that. <laughs> well, there are, uh, there's before we do sequels and spinoffs, I just want to talk about some version differences. So in the arcade, we talked about this at the very beginning of the show. It didn't let you choose your power-ups. Instead, it gave them to you immediately on your pickup. The levels are completely different after the first one. The first one's exactly the same. You mean like even the theme of the level? The themes of the levels oh. are the thing that make it different. They they didn't have this living planet construct. You know, it was just it was just like different areas of space. So, so they did the theme like did if the theme wasn't there, was it still the same types of like environmental obstacles where things would grow out of the ceiling? Same types of enemies like and the same bosses for the most part. Okay. Some bosses were swapped out, but for the most part, it was the same bosses that you see here in the NES version. And in the arcade version, you could have four options. Oh man! Well, so, that's just a pro. I mean, that's just a processing power thing. Yeah. I think. So to be able to like have four other ships with you and just line them up in a row, you could have five. Like, you pretty much take up the whole screen at the bottom, just <sighs> shooting lasers up at everything else. I don't know if we described what options were yeah. oh, at all during yeah. this episode. Sorry, but everyone, everyone who's listening would probably know. But they're, yeah, they're just like imagine another ship that doesn't get so a tiny. ship sprite; it no, just gets a, a blue ball. orb. 
uh, and that's also shoots whatever you have. It does, and, it, as well. and it follows you like a trail, like wherever you were the last input ago. And then the Famicom version, uh, which is uh, renamed to Life Force Salamander, it's like it also has the Salamander thing in there. In that one, you can have three options. So I thought that was a little strange that in the Famicom one, you get the choice for three options, but they limited it to two. That's weird. In the NES one. And I played through the Famicom version, and I think that like that's the version I'll continue to keep playing because really? nothing nothing about it is different, and the ability to have three options instead of two <laughs> just makes you feel even better. Honestly, if they told me you could have seven, I'd be like, I want that version. <laughs> uh, and this is the one that has different endings. So at the end of the game in the NES one, it cuts to the Konami uh, logo. In this one... It shows like a little sprite work thing before the Konami logo, and it all depends on your number of continues. So if you only continued, uh, if you didn't continue at all, you get to see whoever was piloting the Vic Viper without their helmet. It reminded me of like a Metroid style ending. If you uh, used like one to three continues, you got to see like the planet, and if you did like more than three continues, you just saw like your helmet. Like, just the helmet. Like, just the helmet placed down on, like, a surface. Okay. With, like, some drop shadow I mean, I wouldn't it. say that either of those are better yeah, than the of, others. I would say the helmet kind of seems I, really cool. The helmet reminds me of, like, Mega Man, uh, which we haven't gotten to the later Mega Man games. But there's, like, one in, like, I think Mega Man 3's ending where he just, like, you just see his helmet yeah. in a field. I and it's like, that's like, pretty cool. Sort of like in Final Fantasy VII, if you, if you get a game over, you get yeah, that. Yeah, sword, uh, right? Yeah, you get the sword broken or something yeah. like that. Yeah, I actually, now thinking about it, too, it's probably harder for them to make a person look cool <laughs> as it is to just a helmet look cool. The, cool <laughs> probably, the helmet probably looks better than without the helmet off. And I have one developer interview thing here, which I thought was, was kind of important. Um I'll get it up here because I don't know who said it. He just goes by the name Aki. Ah. And uh, no last name here, but uh, he says that he was the programmer on Salamander. I don't know why I made that sound. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, like, like, like is you, you believe him? <laughs> yeah, he definitely was the programmer on Salamander. And uh, I just grabbed this quote. He says a lot of things. and also, Again, doubting him. Right. No, but basically, like, everything else that these guys say is, like, they're huge Gradius fanboys. And they talk about, like... I used to go to the arcade and I would bring my uh, tape cassette uh, recorder and record the music just so I could listen to it. And yeah, the arcade was loud and it had my sound effects, but I would listen to that thing all the time. And, and, and you know, it's like you guys worked on these games. Like you don't have access to the CDs like or the audio files the themselves. Well, because they did release all of uh, – Gradius's music is very iconic, I guess, to the Japanese. So they did get official releases of all of the audio for all of the games way That's back fun. in the day. Yeah. Uh, anyway, to get to the point of what he said, for the programming, Salamander's PCB, which is their board uh, for the arcade, didn't have a test mode for debugging. So you couldn't like make yourself invincible and just test out the levels. So in order to check if everything was arcade accurate, uh, when it came time to check the later loops, I had to practice enough to be able to get there on my own. So he, they had to figure out like, really good like how many loops can the game go? Like we have to keep, you know, like like what does it look like on loop seven? Like you know, I think that's like the most bizarre thing yeah. to make that decision. Did they it's work on like the how you can't upload like a Mario Maker level until you beat it? It's like they have to become <laughs> masters of the game before they can sell the game. Maybe it's better that they got to test their game without being able to use cheats. Yeah, but they were able to use the Konami code. That's, that's true. Yeah, uh, the creator of the Konami code did just pass away pretty recently. Uh, his name was Kazuhus- uh, Kazuhisa Hashimoto, and uh, he started it with Gradius, actually, which is the first instance of it. Came up in all the Gradius games, also showed up in Contra, another essential game from us. So, uh, you know, I think we all used that cheat at one point or another yeah. to help us. Shout out yeah. to uh, Hashimoto. Yep. And that is up, up, down, down, left, right, left, right, BA, and then start.
Real quick, though, I just want to tell you guys, uh, for the sequels and spinoff section, we kind of covered it pretty in-depth on the Gradius episode, so there are many more Gradius sequels to get to. Listen to the Gradius episode to find out the scoop on all of those. Next up for us will be Gradius 2 uh, with Roman numerals, not uh, the uh, the numeric. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Whatever. You get the idea. It won't be a number. It'll be Roman numerals because this takes place in the age after numbers. I love that age. And Salamander 2 did happen. Okay, it's worth noting that there was a Salamander 2, came to the arcades, and I think maybe the PS2 in or PS1 in like 1996. That was definitely PS1. And it's, I don't know why, but like, it doesn't look great. Like, I'm sure, I'm sure it was just like, I have a, I should. Full disclosure. He does have a bias against PS1 games. I have a problem with not only just PS1 games, now it's N64 games and Saturn games. That yeah, like early it's 3D. charming. We're Those, not going to have this early, conversation Early again. 3D for me just doesn't do that low-poly stuff. I can't handle it. Uh, so there, there's something about that. Maybe the game controls just fine. I, do, I would like to get my hands on Salamander 2. So I will report back, I guess, on the Twitter if... Uh, if anything uh, turns out on that, if I get the chance to play it. <laughs> yeah. And while Sean laughs it off, uh, I've basically been stumbling through the episode, and we are going to stumble through the Essential Games list. We have four Essential Games from Konami already. That is the same amount as Nintendo R&D 1. If we vote... Life Force into the Essential Games list today. Does that mean that Konami is doing this system better than its own maker? They they didn't. Nintendo didn't make Konami. No, no, I know. No, I, I meant uh, the NES. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. Are that you know, like, is that controversial to have like uh, at any point in time more uh, Essential Games? For, well, I mean, like, if you count the other Nintendo R and Ds. Technically, they're at like six, seven. They're at seven. So it's not like, I guess it's still okay. We're still safe. No one's going to write in angry letters to us that we're Konami fanboys because we can't be fanboys of pachinko machines. It's just Honestly, impossible. arrest Konami. Yeah, seriously. Get down there and do it. But right now, we're not going to arrest anybody uh, or at least the three of us because we have a vote to do. So, Joe, take us through your essential games list vote for Life Force. One thing you might have noticed is that this was a whole episode about shmups, and I didn't complain about it. (laughs) And I usually complain about shmups, and that really says a lot to me. And I think I said a similar thing when we talked about Gradius, but I really do think this is a very well-designed game. Um, Whether or not it's better than Gradius, I mean, playing it now, I I feel like it is, but I I am far removed from Gradius, so I'd have to go back and play it to, like, really confirm that that that's my opinion. But, um... Just the fact that it also has a co-op, which is a, a big plus for me. A co-op for a good game on the NES, which like we had with Contra, but we haven't had like a ton of good cooperative experiences. This one's fun, um, single player or co-op. So I don't know if you can tell, but I'm going to vote this essential. All right. That's one vote. Uh, what, what are we? It's two, right? I think it, you need two votes. Two votes? Two votes, Mike. Two okay. Out of three. All right. So Joe didn't just make it essential. We need to have at least one other person. <laughs> one out of vote. three yeah. should be the new, the new uh, rule. Sean? So, uh, you know, I know that this is a very similar game to Gradius. And is it uniqueness that makes the experience better? Is it just raw gameplay that should say if it's essential or not? And. I think that this is a more fun experience than Gradius. It's not as iconic. That would that's not really possible when you have something as iconic as Gradius. But I did have more fun with it and I don't know if that's because of tweaks to difficulty or a more creative level design, um even, you know, warts and all. Um but I did have a lot of fun with this game, and I think even though maybe Konami's a little heavy, a little heavy on the EGL right now, um, I can't really hold it against them for making good games. So I'm going to vote it onto the Essential Games list. All right. So it is officially on the Essential Games list, but I will just add that I love this game. I think it's really, really, really good. And Gradius was my top game of 1986. I think it was most of ours uh, for 1986. 
And I think of this as one of those moments where it's like, you know, now that we exist in 2020 and we know everything about like the NES library, like we know of the good games and we know what's coming up. I bold some of the ones that I think are more important. You can kind of see that as cheating, but in the, <laughs> but like in a way, this was a very organic experience because none of us had heard of Life Force before, right? Yeah, like yeah, I bolded right. it because I knew it was important uh, as a shmup, but I had never played it before. I never watched video. I don't spoil the experience of doing the podcast itself here. And so this was a very uh, cool thing where you play a game like Gradius, and that was my first time playing it, and I loved it. And I immediately voted onto the Essential Games list. It made my top game of 1986. And it kind of got me into a genre that I didn't, like, think about too much before. And now I play a lot of those shmup games. Because we have to. Because Yeah, because we have to. <laughs> but I also uh, dabble in, like, some other uh, consoles that we don't have extracurricular, to. Extracurricular shmups. That's true. Uh, and to play Life Force was a treat. Uh, because of having Gradius in my knowledge bank. I think if you weren't going through um, every NES game ever in chronological order, you might not appreciate a game like Life Force when it actually comes up. If that's the first game you play on the NES today, you might not think it's anything too special. But in the spectrum of everything that we're doing here... Not only do I think this is my favorite shmup on the console now, I think it's also one of my favorite games. And it has so much to do with every other game we've played before it, but I think it really understands a couple of things. It gets the graphics right in a way that doesn't um, it doesn't hinder the rest of the experience. Sometimes we get great-looking games that, uh, as a result, the gameplay itself sucks because they spend so much time on the pixel art. You have to remember, we're dealing with teams of, like, six making these NES games. It's not like 200 people working on a AAA game like today. So they're, you know, the resources are, are divided. So to get a game that hits like all five areas of what I consider important is is like, damn, that's got to be on the essential games list. And so that's why I'm putting oh. Life Force on the essential games Interesting. list. Interesting. I thought you were going to dissent. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, I have to. It's got to be on there. And that does make uh, Konami with uh, the perfect uh, five now. Uh, because that's all, like I said, if it hits all five corners, uh, because it can't, because there's only four corners, so it just created a fifth, and I'm talking in a circle. Pentagons have five yeah. corners. Let me escape. Nope. All I right. think we're talking about corners now. What Very are your good. thoughts on geometry? <laughs> I will say that, uh, just just to keep things going here for the essential games list, there's nothing that, because now life force is on here like gradius needs to be removed no one's saying that whether it happens or not that's to be decided in our best of 88 episode i think it's just worth noting that we've talked about in the past of like well games might be better or i know games are going to be better but right now this is a good game so it has to be on the essential games list i'm not gaming the essential games list it's not uh, it's not something i'm interested in i liken it to uh, you know, well, once we put Super Mario Brothers three on the essential games list, we just have to get rid of Super Mario Brothers one, right? No, yeah. no. I, I thought about this a lot when we were when I was playing this game because again, I'll have to play Gradius again. But I know we've we've kind of like mentioned things like that before. But I really think yeah, that they can just both be independently good games, and one could be better than the other, but they can both be essential for different reasons. Both the games that you should play and probably will enjoy, right? And uh, that about wraps it up for the... Oh, no, it doesn't, because I forgot something fun I wanted to we, mention. We, we covered the wrong game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We were supposed to talk about Salamander. <laughs> yeah. No, no, no. One real fun thing that I wanted to mention is that Salamander uh, does have a, uh OVA anime that oh, yeah. uh, that you can watch on YouTube. Which it's already, like, the subtitles are burned in. And it is, like, three 50-minute episodes See, of original animation that um, the first episode just takes you through the entire plot of Salamander. Okay, but I, I read about this on Wikipedia. I watched I, it, and I, yeah, I didn't, I didn't watch it. But the way that it was written about in Wikipedia was hilarious to me because, like, again, here's a game that in in both of them, really, more so in Life Force, the plot is incomprehensible, and they use words that don't mean anything, and they they described the anime as not being canon. And I just don't understand how something like this can have canon or how canon can be that like untouchable. <laughs> well, yeah, I I agree with the how can canon be so untouchable statement. I would say that uh definitely right now no one was thinking about 
uh, the the deep lore. <laughs> but you know, as as Gradius evolves as a franchise, I mean, it goes all the way to Gradius Five, right? Like sooner or later, on like the when did the anime come out? Who knows? No, no, the anime came out in like '86. So you're yeah. right. Like, who cares? But like, <laughs> I guess what I mean is, is that it's not weird for these games, like. I'll give you the perfect example to go back to Super Mario Brothers. I think it's weird that there are people out there trying to create a timeline for when all the Super Mario Brothers games happen. Like, I just think that's ridiculous, right? But with Gradius, if, if the actual, like, company puts out, like, actual years to the to the dates after the fact, I think that helps dictate, like, what is canon and what isn't. Okay, so Word of God is... It rules. Is that what, is that's what you mean? I think I think I mean that if yeah, if if the actual creator says something, that uh, makes it legitimate, and that's why the Disney movie, the Disney Star Wars movies are not real. <laughs> they don't count because they're not George Lucas's so idea. Sold there can be well, no I canon. think that uh, we we can have this discussion about death of the author if we want, but. We should probably end the episode. Yeah, the episode ends with me telling you that you can go to our Twitter at NostalgiaCast and write to us about this episode. Did you think Life Force was essential? Have you ever played Salamander? What's an option? Uh, let us know all of your thoughts on all of this stuff. Uh, just tweeted us at NostalgiaCast. We're posting a lot of cool stuff up on there. It doesn't have to be just for the game of the week. I've learned how to make Twitter threads now, so I make threads to connect all of the... Um, yeah. The post for for the same game, so this way, if you ever like find one post about Gauntlet, you'll see all of the Gauntlet uh, stuff we've posted. And while you're on there, like, don't be afraid to muse to yourself of whether like a story is more just something that the author is dictating, or if it's more a conversation between the author and the reader. Like, maybe you can think about that. Yeah, you could think about that, or you could also tell your friends about this podcast. That's the best way to support us. Uh, some people want to know, like, how can I give you guys money? That's great. Uh, I'm not going to tell you that right here, uh, but you know, if you just mail something out with my name on it, maybe it'll get yeah. to me. Um, so just write to Mike uh, and see if it happens. I would say that uh, forget about the money and instead gain us a listener. That would be the best thing that you could possibly do. Yeah, pay someone to listen to us instead of paying us the money. We've we've grown a lot since the beginning of the podcast, and we're very happy about that. But that only happens because of you guys. Uh, every now and again, somebody will post about it on like Reddit or tweet at us that they're going through everything again. I'd like to, to for you guys to think of yourselves in the 80s or 90s and think of uh, this podcast as a chain letter and your... Most, You're getting in on the ground level. Yeah, your no, your hopes will not come true unless you share this with however many people. Or if you really want to make it like the 80s or 90s, instead think of nostalgia as like something that you could listen to on cassette and record the episodes on a cassette yourself and then trade those cassettes with other people so this way they can hear NostalgiaCast on cassette. The one problem about that is we can't track cassette plays currently. We're working on that technology, but we're not able to do it right now. So you won't really get credit for an additional listener. And we are giving out credits yeah, for yeah, yeah, a lot yes. of credit. Yeah. You could say that like the audio is much warmer when it's on cassette, though. Yeah. yeah and if I'm you're sure... in college, you, we, we, we give out credits for listening to this. So you can, you can theoretically graduate <laughs> from listening to nostalgia. <laughs> the Venn diagram of people... The Venn diagram of people who listen to this show and watch the show Mad Men is probably very, like, they're probably very close together. I would imagine that that middle circle is actually gigantic. (laughs) Usually Venn diagrams show, like, a very small (laughs) circle in the middle. And so I would like to, for you all to think of yourselves as the Don Draper of your own life. <laughs> and in, and what you should really do is start thinking about yourself as a marketer for a nostalgia cast. How can I sell the show to my friends? My mom's never played video games before. Why should she listen? Nostalgia cast. It's toasted. There you go. That's all you have to say. Um, or nostalgia cast. It's a podcast about playing every NES game in chronological order. That's the logline. <laughs>